0: Good morning everybody, it's good to be together. Why don't you go ahead and take a seat? Does it feel weird that there's no like video or anything? We just like to keep you guessing a little bit, you know? Would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, we wanna say thank you. I thank you God that your love never fails, that your righteousness is higher than the heavens. That your faithfulness is true and steadfast and that your name is great. Father God, I pray for every person that's a part of this church family, this part of your body, that you'd instill us with hope and peace and vision and confidence to know you and to know the hope that is found in you, King Jesus, God, I pray that you would encourage us and inspire us with what it is that you wanna do in this coming year. God, we we petition you for the lost in our city. We petition you and ask you for the elderly, for the young, for the wayward, for the skeptic, for the hurting, for the broken, for the homeless, for the mentally ill, God, that every person in this city would have an encounter with Jesus and find healing for their place of need. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Man, it is December 31st. It is almost 2024. Can you believe it? It is amazing, this year has been incredibly quick. And I know they always say the older you get, the faster it goes. And um, you know, being 22 and all, I don't really know. (laughs) Why are you laughing? That's not funny. But here's the deal, I just wanna point you guys toward 2024 because it's coming around the corner. Um, We have six missions trips planned for next year. Okay, so yeah, it's really exciting. We've got a team going to the Philippines in the spring. We've got a team going to Japan in the summer, another one in the summer going to Eswatini in South Africa. Then later in the year, towards November, we've got a team going to Thailand and Saudi Arabia, which is gonna be awesome. The Saudi Arabia portion is optional, but having been there myself with my family, I encourage you, if you're looking to go on a missions trip, Go. The doors are open. The doors are very open. And then we also have a Mexico team that's going to be um, a little bit of a shorter trip. That's about a five day trip going off in the fall, well, going into December. And possibly, this is something you guys can be praying for. We're looking at putting together an outreach team to go to Israel. But we are currently, it's not a tour. This is an outreach, okay? So it's not the same thing as what Pastor Jason. Um, has has been planning to lead. So this outreach would specifically be looking to join up with our partners on the ground to do as much ministry as we can without getting in trouble, you know. And so be praying for that though because we're monitoring the situation on the ground to see um, what the Lord thinks, if it's wise for us to take a team there at this time or not. So that's a whole year away but I just wanted to point you to that. And if you ever wanna know more about our teams or sign up for the interest list, you can go to faith.church/missions, or if you scan that QR code and go to our webpage, you can find out more information and sign up on the interest list there and we'll get you information. Does that sound good? Are you guys okay? You guys, this is not the day after New Year's Eve. like, Like, this is Sunday. Hopefully you slept in yesterday. I don't know. You guys good? All right, awesome. As I was praying for us for this week, I really felt to lead us to the passage in Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus is being tempted in the desert. And you guys are probably like, man, I didn't come here to church to get discouraged. But no, I really believe that God has a, a word for us as we as a family head into 2024. I mean, you know, we all, maybe not all of us, but nearly all of us make lots of New Year's resolutions. It's kind of the thing our culture does. We're always like, Who do I want to become? What do I want to stop eating or start eating? Or how much do I want to work out? I mean, you can tell I made a workout resolution last year. (laughs) You probably could tell I go to the gym at least once a year. (laughs) But listen, we always are thinking, what do I want? What do I want to accomplish? And I think that's great. But I think that God is inviting us, you know, before we consult ourselves about what we want, that we would consult him about what he wants. Do you you follow what I'm saying? Because our satisfaction and our joy and our peace and our strength doesn't come from the physical things we find around us. In fact, you could have everything and be incredibly discontent if you are not right with the Lord inside. You follow what I'm saying? You guys have probably been there. It's like this weird phenomena that if you are right with and connected with the Lord and being fed by him on your interior side, on the interior man, your spiritual man is healthy, then you could literally live in almost any circumstance and find contentment. You know, Paul talked about that. He said he's learned the secret of being content and it has to do with being contented in Jesus first being satisfied in Jesus first I remember a number of years ago I was leading a team in the Dominican Republic and we went out to a community that was built on the the town trash dump okay so it's hard to imagine what that could be like but we went out with these food packages And some basic toys and whatever we could find to just go bless about 100 families that were living in a trash dump on Christmas Day. And I remember walking around and meeting all these people. And when when I left, some of them are, you know, the families are living in a home that's about five feet by eight feet with a little tin roof. Maybe it's cardboard. It's all scraps pulled together. But you know what I heard in that little community that day? I heard joy, because so many of them had come to the Lord through the work of our partners there, that while their circumstance hadn't changed yet, they were contented in Jesus. They were feasting on something that wasn't physical. You know, they didn't have a turkey or, I mean, God forbid you eat turkey at Christmas. Maybe they had, they didn't have brisket, because that's what you're supposed to eat at Christmas and Thanksgiving and New Year's and your birthday. (laughs) But they didn't have any of that but they found joy and peace and satisfaction living in the middle of a trash dump. It's amazing. And so I want to encourage you that God might be calling you to something different than you think. Maybe you've already written down your New Year's resolution. Take out your pen, take out your phone, and hit delete or scratch it out because God might have something different for you. So in Matthew chapter 4, it says this, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Could Jesus have done that? Do you think he probably wanted to do that? Jim Gaffigan thinks that Jesus made pretzel bread when he's like, boom, pretzel bread. Jesus totally could have done that, but instead he recognized what Satan was trying to do and he didn't even answer with his own words. He answered with something that God told Moses to tell the Israelites in the desert. And Jesus said to Satan as a rebuke, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you need sustenance? Do you need encouragement? What do you need? What do you want? What do you really want? It's not found out there. It's found in the bread of life. It's found in the person who is truth. So Jesus was quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 8. Starting in verse 1, it says this, The whole commandment, this is Moses talking to the Israelites in the desert. He said, The whole commandment that I have commanded you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know. Nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now, to point out here a couple of key ideas from this scripture in Deuteronomy is that God will lead you to places of lack at times. I know this is really encouraging. God will lead you because it's tempting to think if you encounter difficulty or lack, you might be tempted to say, what did I do wrong? Why am I here right now? And then you hear the little background choir saying, it's all about you. We're tempted to throw a pity party when we we encounter difficult things because we have a belief system that says, if you're following God and being obedient, then nothing bad will happen to you. Nothing difficult will happen. But what's interesting is we see very clearly here in this instance and in other instances throughout the whole Bible that God routinely uses difficulty to train and equip us. It says clearly here, he says, don't you know that God led you He led you to a place and let you hunger so that you could learn a lesson, so you could learn something about him. And what is it? That you don't need the physical bread to be sustained. You need the word of the Lord. What would it look like, church, if we as a church entered into 2024 not thinking, what do I want, but what does Jesus want? And we listened for that. What would that look like? What would we do next year if we were listening for the instruction of the Lord, or not even just the instructions like the tasks to go do, but what if we were listening for what's, what is in God's heart? What is God dreaming about? Have you ever asked Jesus that? What are you dreaming about? What do you want to see come about? What do you have for this city, for my family, for my long-lost relatives who don't know you yet? What are you dreaming about, God? And capture some of that. Because here's the thing, Jesus was saying something that was very true and it's this, that real life doesn't come from the things you eat or the things you can get. Real life comes from the very mouth of God. But we sometimes pretend like it's found everywhere but from his mouth. You see, every word that flows from God's mouth contains life-sustaining power. We're going to do a little bit of a nerdy deep dive into the Hebrew here. Does that sound good? I know it's what we do when we're tired, getting ready to stay up all night. So this word live actually is jam-packed with meaning. I spent hours and hours and hours on this one word. So we'll be here till about 3 p.m. I hope you brought your packed lunch. But no, this word, this Hebrew word is the word pronounced Say it with me. Chaya. I didn't know you guys spoke karate. But yeah, it means this word live is the word chaya and it has many meanings and I am going to walk you through 11. Okay? Don't worry. Like karate, we're going to move fast. Meaning number one is that the words that God speaks contain the, the power to continue to let you live, to sustain your living, your actual physical being. This word live also means to be sustained by, not a force, but a word. Think about it. God spoke and he created. God spoke and life happened and sprang forth. God spoke and everything that we encounter everywhere around us came from nothing. God's words contain life-sustaining power. And this is why I think Jesus was able to say to Satan with a lot of confidence, I don't need bread to be sustained because I'm listening to the voice of my Father. That is sustaining me. I don't know if you guys remember the encounter with the disciples where he was at the well and the disciples went to go get food and they came back and he's like, "All right, I have bread that you know nothing about. And they're like, where did he get food out here? He's like, you don't understand what I'm talking about. My bread is to do the will of the Father. It's to respond to his voice and his promptings in my life. That is my sustaining power. Another meaning of this word live is to prosper That when God speaks the word over you, not only do you stay alive and not just wither up and die, you literally go on to prosper because of the word spoken over your life and your family. This word can also mean to revive from sickness, to revive from discouragement, faint-heartedness, and even from physical death. That God's word has the power to bring back from the dead. Jesus did this. He walked up to Lazarus' tomb after four days and said, hey, Lazarus, come on out. And what did Lazarus do? He didn't hit the snooze alarm or say, I'll come out later. That dude got up and walked out of there alive. How? By the power of the word of Jesus. It's not your word that brings life. To you. In fact, I mean, I'm an optimist and sometimes I can hype myself up and be like, yo, it's going to be okay. But there is nothing like when you hear the resounding word of truth from the mouth of the Father to your spirit to encourage you and bring back those areas that are dead in you. Those areas of discouragement to bring them back from the brink. To bring you back into alignment with his heart and his desires. Number five is that another meaning here is that his word literally can preserve you alive in the midst of difficulty. Isaiah 43, chapter 1, or chapter 43, verse 1 through 2 says this, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, and who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, operative word, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. And when when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. I bet Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were really surprised when they found themselves being thrown into the furnace. You know, it's one thing to talk a big game and be like, yo, Nebuchadnezzar, just be it known, even if you do throw us in the fire, and even if God doesn't come and rescue us, we're not going to worship you. And they're like, okay, God, you going to do your thing now? And then they get thrown into the fire. I wonder what was going through their minds as they left the hands of their, the guards who were throwing them in and watched the guards get consumed and they're falling into this furnace. This is my imagination. And they're like, but God, why? But there was another one in the flames. You see, God's not always gonna just help you avoid difficulty. He protects us, guys. I mean, honestly, if we, didn't, if we didn't have God watching over our backs, we'd all be smoked. For real. Just trying to cross the street. God does watch out for us, but he also is with us when we go through the trial and the fire. And, and this is what I want to encourage you with, in part, is that God wants to also speak to you in the middle of that place. But even if he doesn't, you know the truth that he is with you in that place. And that truth, that word of truth can sustain you right where you are. Do you guys hear me today? I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you are afraid of, concerned about, preoccupied with. I don't know, but Jesus does know and he has a word of life he wants to speak to you in that place and it isn't just for you. It's so that he can move across your life to make an impact in your family and in this city and even in the nations. There's a lot at stake. Number six. Are we on number six? Anybody keeping track? Number six. Another, yet another meaning of this word live is not just to sustain life but to create life itself. There is creative power in the Word of God to you. Is there a problem that you're noodling on? Is there a concern that you have? Is there an area where you need God's creative power to be released through your life? It's not going to come by drinking lots of Red Bulls or Starbucks or whatever. It is going to come through hearing the Word of God. When I was about probably 11 years old, my papa and I, my grandfather, we were working on an old 1960-something GMC pickup truck. It was probably a lost cause, but we were doing it anyway. And we were squatted down, taking apart the braking system, all the old drum brake components, and we took it all apart and we're cleaning it, and we're trying to put it back together, and we couldn't figure out how. And you know, you kind of have to have working brakes if you're gonna drive an old beater truck. And so I learned this cool lesson from him, though. He said, you know what? I don't know how to figure this out. So let's ask God. And I was like, what? I was like, okay. So he prayed, God, can you show us how to put this back together? And then we just sat there. And he's like, oh, I think I got it. Try this. Let's try that. And it went back together, and we didn't crash when we drove it. But God literally will give you creative life. He will create life through his word and he will give you creativity in your life through the spoken word. All you need to do is ask. Another meaning, number seven, is that he will cause things to grow and multiply. Like a grain of wheat, when it's planted in the ground, it doesn't just come up and sprout and make one grain. What happens It's 30, 60, 100-fold what was put in the ground. One stalk could have a head or multiple heads on it with 100 pieces of grain. That is God's demonstration of what he wants to do in and through your life. Your life is buried with him. And now the life that you live, you live in Christ Jesus. And that is a life that can be multiplied and bear fruit in the lives of others, 30, 60, or even 100-fold. Now here's the truth, guys. You don't have to be stressed about or worry about how much impact your life is having. Your job is to trustingly obey and abide in the love of Christ. Let Him do the multiplying. His word is going to multiply what He wants to multiply in and through your life. So number eight. Are you guys impressed we're actually getting through this so fast? Number eight. This word that we live by that produces life in us also can mean to deliver us from destruction. Psalm 107 says this, he sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Some of you guys are careening towards something that could destroy your life. I believe the Lord wants to speak to that right here, right now, and he wants to heal you and pull you back from that place of destruction. When I was a young man starting out in ministry, I had seen some leaders just totally bite the dust and fail. And uh, I think I was about 20, and I'd seen this a few times and I honestly was freaked out because it appeared to me from my perspective that these leaders were doing great, and then all of a sudden they just collapsed like sudden destruction. And I was worried. I thought to myself, well, surely there is no way to avoid that happening to me. And the enemy started to lie to me and tell me, like, one day you're just gonna boom, you're gonna fall, you're just gonna explode, you're gonna implode, you're gonna. You're going to this, you're going to that. And, and I remember I, I dwell on this concern, this consuming concern for like a whole month being worried about when is this going to happen to me? And I went and I told one of my mentors at the YWM base and I said, Barry, I'm freaked out, man. And I was just honest with him. I'm like, I'm freaked out. I am really worried that one day I'm just going to fall. And my life's gonna be destroyed because of this and I saw this happen with this guy and you know this situation and it's like, how, how can I avoid that? Like, is that just inevitable? And he just kind of smiled and he said, young Padawan, you're so little. <laughs> you don't have, that is not your, your destiny. That's not who you are. That's not who you need to be. And no destruction is sudden. No destruction is sudden. There's always a pathway that leads to destruction and God will deliver you from it. And as I grew and learned and read Proverbs and the rest of the Bible, I realized that that is true. That you don't have to be afraid of a sudden terror that strikes at night like it talks about in Psalm 91. You don't have to be afraid. Why? Because if your goal is to stay close to Jesus and abide in his love, trusting obedience and saying, God, hey, here I am. I'm available. I want to be in relationship with you. I know you want to be in relationship with me. You don't have to be afraid. Because when you start to go down a way that is toward destruction, his word will come and speak to you there. If your heart wants to hear from him, he will speak to you. And he will bring you back and protect you and deliver you from destruction. Not only that, there are times when, when people actually have bad plans for you. You know, being, being my personality type, I like to believe that everyone's awesome, and everybody has good intentions, and that the world is full of good people who want the same things that I want, but it's not true. And I had to learn that the hard way. I have been, I have been scammed and robbed and stolen from. So many times it's embarrassing to say, because I believe, I really do believe in the goodness of people that they're made in God's image and they just need to be restored to him, you know? But I've had to learn that, that I don't, it's not my job to be judgmental or critical or skeptical all the time. I need to, I need to extend a level of trust. I, can, I need to verify and be wise, of course, but it's not my job to judge people or criticize people because God is watching out for me in that arena as well. And there have been times where the Lord has woken me up and said, Don't connect with this person. I don't know why, but if I had been disobedient, I probably would have found out why, you know? And God's word is there to deliver you from destruction. At your own hand, he will also deliver you from people who seek to harm you. Number nine, the ninth meaning that we can find behind this word live is to revive with fullness of life into God's favor, into the favor of God. Psalm 119.25 says this, My soul clings to the dust, so give me life according to your word. When God speaks, he speaks revival over you. If you ever feel like you are in a place where your heart feels dead towards the Lord, I've had seasons where I've literally tried to, you know, open the Bible. I don't know if this ever happened to you, but I open the word and it just, it feels like there's nothing. I pray and it feels like God's not responding or doesn't hear me. It feels like it's a one-way conversation. And those are seasons and, and times and places the Lord will lead us through through for our maturity and to develop hunger and a depth of a root system in us the truth is God does hear you. But in that season, I tell you what, it was so it was such a revival to my spirit when I finally heard from him again. And maybe you've been in a place like that. Maybe you've been there for a month, a week, a day, a couple years. Don't stop asking the Lord to speak. Don't stop turning your ear to his voice. He wants to speak to you. He wants to minister life to you. He wants to revive you to an awareness of his favor in your life. The greatest way God favors us is with his presence with us. So when I say favor, I'm not talking about you got the favor of God on you so much so that you win the lottery and everything goes perfect for you everywhere you go. And your tires last 120,000 miles or Whatever, that's not what I'm talking about. Favor, real true biblical favor is that God is with you. He is with you. He is with you. He is with you. And not only that, he enjoys to be with you. And he enjoys it when you enjoy being with him. We are favored that he would invite us into relationship with himself. Think about it. The creator of the universe Wants that with us? That is true favor. Number 10, his word of life revives the crushed heart, which is the emotions and the spirit of a man. Isaiah 40 says this Have you not known? But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those who wait for the Lord. Listen, before um, I came into missions, I was a waiter. I waited tables. I enjoyed doing it for a season. Probably started when I was 14, ended when I was 18 years old. And you know what waiters do? They wait. They come over and they stand there awkwardly at the table and they're like, are you ready? They don't tell you what you want to eat unless you're in Italy, then they do. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) They do that. But you come and you wait and you listen. You listen for what is going to be spoken. You want the chicken piccata? Good choice. Angel hair or mashed potatoes? Angel hair? Right choice with a prime rib, how would you like that cooked? You see, this is, when when it says those who wait on the Lord, I want you to not just think about waiting for God to do something, but coming to and saying, at your service, God. At your service, Lord. I've learned recently to stop asking God to use me and instead say, I am available. Use me if you wish. If it would please to use me, I'm here. If you want to use somebody else, do it. It's your prerogative. But I'm here if you want to use me. And guys, I think that's what the Lord wants us to do as we step into this next year is to wait upon him. Wait upon him and let him refresh your weary soul. Because the mission ahead of us is going to require some strength and not your strength or my strength, but God's strength. And we are going to get that through hearing the word of life from the very voice of the Lord. Those who wait on him, it's that posture of, how can I serve you, Lord? I'm here. I'm waiting. What is your order? And then, of course, you can say, my pleasure, when he tells you. And finally, number 11, his word contains life-giving power To literally restore a ruined city. God is able to restore. If you think about the prophecies that he spoke through his prophets about restoring Israel, restoring the broken down and burned gates and the broken down walls and rebuilding the temple, it is insane because it actually happened. God used a guy named King Cyrus to send the Israelites back to Israel to rebuild a ruined city. God is able to restore ruins. And I believe that in this coming year, as we move into a new campaign, which we're going to talk about next year, God wants to engage each and every one of us and seeing our city restored. Again, not, not buildings and roads and properties and making sure there's no potholes on Ward Road. What I'm talking about is the very lives, the fabric of this city, lives that are at stake. Lives that need an encounter with Jesus. Lives where before they meet Christ they're like a Saul and after they have a revelation of Jesus they become a Paul and become a mighty force for transformation in the city. Do you guys want to see that kind of stuff? Now let's not pretend that in us, we have the power to do that because we don't. But God does possess the power. Friends, I don't know if you realize this, but in 1725-ish or 26, John Wesley and his crew were praying on, the ver- on this very day almost 300 years ago. Praying and asking God for revival in a country where less than 5% of people gave a rip about God at all. Did you realize this? This was England in 1725. And they're praying and they're asking God for revival in their city, for him to do something. And you know what? The Spirit of God came. The word of the Lord came forth and the Spirit of God shook that place and people literally fell down laughing and weeping and rejoicing at the fact that God had decided to come and meet them. And that sparked and kicked off a great awakening and the move of God, not just in their little small group of prayer guys, but in their community, in their their country, in Europe as a whole. Then it went and it spread like fire across the whole world. That didn't happen because John Wesley's a cool cat or he was just really slick or really good with words. That happened because of the word of God came forth and the speaking of his word brought about restoration, revival, that then turned into reformation of thinking and thought and living. It reform- Even think about this, because of that movement, there was a system created to provide free education For poor children who had no access to any. Why? Because if you're educated and you know how to read, you can read the Bible, you can know Jesus, you can make a contribution to society, and you can thrive. Hospitals and medical centers were created. Missionary movements were were kicked off and sent around the world, all because the word of the Lord came in that moment. I don't know about you, but I'm darn hungry for something like that in Arvada. And I don't want you to go into 2024 being ashamed of being zealous for God's glory to be made manifest in our city. Guys, I want to encourage you. Start talking about it. Start telling people what you're hoping for. Maybe you're the type of person you never talked about Jesus in your whole life out loud. You practice your faith only on the inside. This is your invitation Bring it out into the light. Who lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel? What's a bushel anyway? When we picked apples in New Hampshire growing up, you had a huge bushel, which is like 22 liters of apples. Don't put a candle under one of those. You know what will happen inevitably? That bushel is going to catch on fire, and God's going to get glory no matter what. So, metaphorically speaking, listen, put your candle out. Start talking about Jesus. Talk with your friends about what you're hoping for. Maybe ask Jesus what he's hoping for in the city. I believe he wants to bring about revival. What if this is the year we're going to see the Ward Road Revival break out? Not just so we can all be excited and be like, oh. No, so that Jesus can have encounters with people who need to know him and be transformed radically by his love. Because here's the thing, guys. You can't expect a city that's broken or in ruins to rebuild itself. It needs a Nehemiah who is, I don't know if you guys know this or not, he's a shadow and a type of the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the helper. We need the Holy Spirit to rush into this city, into this very church, because let's not be deceived. There is dysfunction and brokenness in all of us. And the word of the Lord has power. Creative power, life-giving power, restoring power, resurrection power exists in the spoken word of God. And he wants to speak, not just to me, but to you, to us. Not just you as an individual, to your family, to your friend group, to your small group, to our church. God wants to invite us into something. There is an invitation on the table coming into this year. And I'm not going to apologize for being excited about it because I want you to feel free to get excited about it too, that Jesus has ideas about what he wants to do. Have I said it to you enough? Jesus has ideas. He has creative thoughts about people in the city. Like I just want you to stop and envision your neighbor. That's to your left-hand side when you're standing on your porch your neighbor, think about them. God literally has thoughts about that person. And maybe you're like, well, my thoughts are I wish they'd bring their garbage cans back from the curb the day the garbage. You know what? God's thoughts are not like your thoughts. Man, he longs for that person to know him. Trust me. Once they have an encounter with Jesus, they'll move their trash bins back on time, all right? So forget about it. Worry about encounter... <laughs> pray for that encounter with Jesus. Paul said that. He said, man, when I had a revelation of Jesus Christ, my life got flipped. Yes. Amen. Do you want that for this city? And when I, I'm saying this city, because of course we are located in Arvada, but I know some of you live in Golden. Some of you live, you know, in Wheat Ridge, Lakewood, Littleton, Broomfield even. I know people that come from Longmont. God wants to have an encounter with us and with the lost sheep who are out there, who are not yet here. And I want to call you guys toward looking beyond the four walls of the church, beyond the four walls of your home, and start asking God for vision for people who are out there, because He's going to want to speak to you. And I'm telling you, you might say, Well, I'm just not that type of person, I'm an introvert. God uses introverts more than he uses extroverts in this kind of thing. I'm telling you, because it is about prayer and is it, about, it is about obedience. And introverts are good at those things for sure. Way better than an extrovert like myself is. But each of us have a part to play and it's not going to look the same. The responsibility is on each of you to ask the Lord, what are you thinking about and what are you inviting me into? Oftentimes, as church communities, we want the church to tell us what to do. The institution to tell us what to do. So if you want that, I'm telling you what to do. Go ask Jesus. He will tell you what he wants from you. I'm not kidding. Ask him. I dare you. I triple dog dare you. I know you like the movie reference. A triple dog dare you to ask Jesus what he's thinking about and what he's inviting you into. Maybe it's going to be a tiny little step. Maybe it's going to be a humongous risk for you. But guys, when he speaks to you, you're going to know that it's him. And that is going to put strength and confidence in you to step out. I'm telling you, 10 billion times more effective than if I tell you what to do is if God tells you what to do. He speaks to you, speaks to your family, speaks to your small group and says, yo, here's the invitation. Come over here. And you're like, what? That's nuts. He's like, I know, it's going to be so much fun. I think God's probably an extrovert. (laughs) Case in point, last October, like 2022, God was really laying it on our hearts to get out of debt. And we're like, but God, how? Like, what what do you want to do? Of course, we've always wanted to be out of debt, but we're not. And God said, I'm going to get you out of debt this year, and I want you to invite people to join me. So we're like, say it again? You want to do what? You want to do that this year? Like in a year? Like, start this year. That's what you mean, right? No. This year, I'm going to get you out of debt as a church, and I want you to invite people to join me. You guys hear Pastor Jason say that like all year? We didn't even start that campaign until like May, because we were thinking, let's make it a little harder for Jesus, you know? See what happens. (laughs) The honest truth is, it's like, who cares if we start in January 1 or if we start all the way out in May? It's still physically impossible for us to imagine a way out of the situation that we are in. Now, before you think we're at risk of just, like, shutting down or going bankrupt, that's not where we were. Not at all. But we had that urgency in our spirit that God wanted us to be free and he was going to free us. And he wanted us to partner with him. And you know that you know when God's like, yo, I want to do a thing. And it's going to be awesome. And I want you to partner with me in it. And so we kicked off debt-free in 2023. And no, we did not make a, like a backup campaign called Debt No More 2024. <laughs> because we were really believing that God was going to do what he said he's going to do. And this came to me like a week or so ago. I was talking with, with our, uh, our ministry staff, with Pastor Jason in the meeting that he leads every other week. And it occurred to me that we could have said to the Lord, cool, I'm glad you want to get us out of debt. We're going to create a 10-year plan and a strategy that's within our control, within the realm of possibility. And we're going to work that plan and we're going to stay committed to it for 10 years and we're going to do it. But that's not what the word that he spoke had the power to accomplish. God wanted to do something greater. And now we're standing here with debt at zero. Like, I don't know if you guys were here last week, but we announced that. God's like, I told you I was going to do this, and I did. And that is miraculous. And I want to just... Give thanks to God and brag on Pastor Jason in front of you that he is a man who heard that word that had power in it to accomplish itself. And he said, Yes, I'll trust you for that. We'll trust you for that. Yes. And then God went to work producing what he wanted to produce. And we got to be a part of that, all of us together. And now we stand here on the the edge of 2024 indebted to no man as a ministry. And free to preach the word, to serve the poor, to just do what God has called us to do in this city and in the nations without the hindrance or concern about what lenders or governments may say about us. You see, when Jesus speaks something, it has the power to fulfill itself. And I really do believe that God is inviting us to pay attention to this scripture. Isaiah 43, 18 says, remember not the former things. Don't even consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. It's now, now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a pathway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. What God is saying is, I will do impossible things. The wild beasts will honor me. That's all the young adults and youth kids in the city. The wild beasts will honor me. The jackals and ostriches, I'll let you give that to an age category you wish. And I will give water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I've formed for myself, that they may declare and announce my praise. Jesus is inviting us to align ourselves with him. Jesus is inviting you to align yourself with him, to make an alliance with him as you step into this year. Don't just think about your weight or your money or your goals, or your business, or your family. I want to call your friends to think about the heart of God this year more. Let's go deep. God is calling us to go deep with him. He's going somewhere, and we want to be in alignment with him. And we can't do that with our own wisdom. We can only do that according to his word to us. hard to see my notes. <clears throat> in a time, in a space, in a season where there are many bakeries where you could go to get bread, metaphorically speaking, there is one source for true living bread. It's Jesus. So my question to you is this, will you RSVP to this 2024 initiative of rowdiness in our city to bring about an uproar for God's kingdom in this place? Will you make yourself available? Will you say, here I am, you can use me if you want to? Will you listen to his voice? Will you consult him about what is in his heart? you ask Jesus what he's thinking about his answer might surprise you you see this is our city he's entrusted it to us to his church that we might chase after him and see many lost sheep come home and as a church family guys we are chasing after Jesus we're chasing after revival that comes about when people align themselves with him We're chasing after renewal. We're chasing after reformation according to the truth. We're chasing after emotional, mental, spiritual, relational, and physical healing for people in this house and people in this city. We're chasing after Jesus, the Word made flesh, who has healing in his life and death. We're chasing after the bread of life. Our sustaining force from which all living things were made is Jesus. Our aim is Jesus. Let it always be Jesus. So listen, if you're here today and you have never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, December 31st, 2023 is a great day to do that. So if you, if you say, I want to put my trust in Jesus and follow him, I want to just ask you, would you raise your hand? If you're in this house and that needs to be you, dude. welcome to the family. Welcome to the family, guys. Anybody else? I see another hand back here. Another one over here. Listen, if I don't see you, I see your hand. If I don't see you, it doesn't mean you're not choosing to follow Christ That is a decision you make in faith to follow Jesus and confess that He's going to be Lord, not you. And so, what we're going to do, friends, is we're going to all pray together a simple prayer. And those of you who are choosing to follow Christ today, you just repeat after all of us. Would you repeat after me now? Jesus, you are the King, not me. I renounce my selfish ways, and I ask you for forgiveness for my sin and I ask for and receive power to walk in the new life in Jesus. Sorry, that's a long one. (laughs) In your own words, that's great. And God, I surrender my life to you. Thank you for salvation found in Jesus. I choose to trust you today. Help me to trust you always. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord God, may it start with us. Stir our hearts for you, Jesus. Call us toward yourself, Jesus. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray you guys out. God, we don't want to be people who stand on the sidelines and just wish you would do something. We want to be active participants with you, Lord. So we extend our hands now and say, Lord God, entrust us with this generation. Entrust us with the Holy Spirit power to love well, to call people toward the truth, to honor you, to love you, to be in encounter with you, Jesus, to be in relationship with you. God, would you fill us with Holy Spirit power and boldness and courage to preach the word everywhere we go. God, that we wouldn't just receive the word of life, but that we would be distributors and, pro- and proclaimers of the word of life. You possess the words of life. Where else could we go? So we commit ourselves to you. As we step into this next year, do whatever it is that's in your heart to do and help us to have ears that hear you and eyes that perceive what you're doing and hearts that are courageous and hands that are willing to do the work, God, that you're calling us to do. Would you bless this part of your body called Faith Church? Would you unite us around the common purpose of seeing your name exalted everywhere? God, would you heal brokenness in families and restore marriages and relationships that are busted up? We declare restoration in Jesus' mighty name. And together we snap off every strategy of the enemy to discourage or delay or kill or destroy. In Jesus' name, we declare those assignments null and void. So God, would you release your Holy Spirit in us, through us, in this community, would you bring about revival, stir our hearts to pray, to get into the word, and to trust you when you say what it is that you want to do. Would you bless this family and stir up our zeal, God. Stir up our zeal for your kingdom mission that we would not be distracted with these 80 or so years that we have on this earth, but that we would be distracted by and enamored by the glory of Jesus. That we'd be attracted to your kingdom mission like never before. That we'd recognize faithfulness in our area of service, honors and glorifies you, and that we would be propelled and motivated by the love of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. Enamor us with yourself again, Jesus. That we'd look upon the beauty of the Lord and love like you love everywhere that you take us. God, would you guide us, protect us, lead us, strengthen us, deepen us, Lord. Unite us. Give us courage to have hard conversations and to do the hard work, Lord. Give us courage to trust you and to lean onto you even when it seems scary. God, those who are, have been dancing around the surface of relationship with you for a long time, God, would you call them into the deep end? Call us into spiritual maturity, God. Would you form us and shape us into the very image of Jesus? We throw off the childishness and the distractions and the things that simply don't matter. And we take hold of eternity and say, God, Use us to bring glory for you. Teach us to think about the next 10 billion years in your presence. And let these 80 years be held in contrast to those. Lord, we love you and we thank you. God, bless every single person and every family in this place with your favor to know you and walk in your presence and see your will done as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, friends, it's always a joy to be with you. And those of you who gave your lives to Jesus, welcome to the family. We are so excited for you. Make sure that if you're new here, you stop by the Connect Center out in the atrium. We'd love to meet you, shake your hand, and help you on your next step. If you need prayer, we have a prayer team that's going to be up here momentarily. And you can come up and get prayer. We love you guys. Have an amazing week and happy new year.